lockstep and give hugs, high fives, you know, um, hand off flowers, and, you know, just, just be safe about it. That was beautifully said. Thank you so much. We, we have like we're coming up on it. I was oh, saying, sorry, we have go ahead. Just about, you just about a minute left. Yeah. Um, I'll see yeah. you. Or, Sonia, any, any final thoughts before we wrap it up for the day? I promise I'm going to remember to call my parents this well, time. I wanna... Yes, okay. I'll, I'll text <laughs> that you was what I was going to say. Sonia. <laughs> Lecture Sonia about it. Yeah, <laughs> make sure Sonia does that. Uh, well, I want to thank everybody for listening, um, and I hope that you know if you're in Portland, you enjoy your snow day and you enjoy your weekend of expressing love to the people in your life that you love. You know there thank are. Thank you, Sia. Um, I want to remind folks that there are people who are. Um, taking donations of clothing and taking donations of cash to get um, warming packs and stuff and that it is pretty easy to find them and it is pretty easy to give them what they need to make sure that other people have what they need when it's really cold out who don't have um, sufficient shelter so that's all I can I think I think that's all I can say without going into a call to action um so I'll just let I'll just <laughs> remind y'all that that's out there and that's an option. Thank you, Sonia. Yes, uh, extending that love to folks who right now need it the most, definitely, Sonia. That thank you for for reminding us that and for echoing that. You are listening uh, to KBOO so Portland. Ooh, played off. KBOO Community Radio <laughs> holds open meetings concerning the operations and programming of KBOO in accordance with requirements of the Communications Act of 1934 and certification requirements of the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Information about KBOO Community Radio's open meeting policy is available at our website at kboo.fm. Due to the temporary closure of in-station activity at KBOO, meetings will be conducted online via public video conferencing unless otherwise noted. A public link and phone number to attend the meetings are available at our website. The Finance Committee meets on the third Thursday of the month at 4.30 p.m. Please visit our website at kboo.fm to verify if a meeting is being held. Welcome to Sojourner True. Thank you for staying with us. This is your host, Margaret Prescott. Today, we continue our series on the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, known as SNCC. If you've missed any part of this seven-part series, you can go to SoundCloud or to the Sojourner Truth website or to our Facebook page to find previously posted shows. Today, we'll hear from civil rights icon and singer Bernice Johnson Reagan, a civil rights activist out of the Albany movement, a singer and member of the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. She is a founding member of the Freedom Singers and a founder of the women's a cappella group Sweet Honey and the Rock. Bernice always used her powerful singing to allow others to uh, learn from the African American oral tradition in radio, film, and concerts across the country. Uh, Bernice Johnson Reagan's life and work supports the concept of hum humanity, community based culture with an enlarged capacity for mutual respect. We live in a global world. We're all interrelated. So on Sojourner Truth, we work to bring directly to you news and views on local, national, and international policies and stories that affect us all. And we draw out how those of us most impacted women, communities of color, and other communities are responding. We also discuss the interrelationship between art and politics. Now for a really special broadcast part of our series. It's a seven-part series on the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. And we spend the hour hearing... Um, singer and civil rights icon Bernice Johnson Reagan. While she was a graduate student at Howard University and vocal director of the Black Repertory Theater, um, Reagan um, retired 
from Sweet Honey and the Rock in 2004. She is Professor Emeritus of History at American University, uh, Curator Emeritus at the Smithsonian's National Museum of American History, and she, two of her major works are Wade in the Water, African-American Sacred Music Traditions and Africans in America, America's Journey Through Slavery. Her pioneering work as a scholar, teacher and artist have been recognized with the Heinz Award for the Arts and Humanities, the Leeway National Award for Women in the Arts, the Presidential Medal for for contribution to public understanding of the humanities. She won that in 1995. She also uh, was a MacArthur Fellow. And now we are going to uh, turn our attention and hear from Bernice Johnson Reagan. This was a speech she gave at the 50th anniversary conference of the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. When I heard about this gathering... I registered. I thought I might not be alive, you know, in April, but it would be really interesting to be alive and then be present. I was very serious about that. I really do feel that it is not a given to live the next minute of your life. And when you think about 50 years of something, you go... Well, gosh, you know, April is a long ways away. wonder if I'm going to be dead. But just in case, I registered. <laughs> and uh, Joyce Ladner called me and said, you were the first one to register for the conference. <laughs> <laughs> Among the many things I've done in my life is producing. And I actually have a sense of what went into planning, what we've been through. It was no light effort. And I just want the people who stepped out of their lives to do this, to just know that some of us who are still organizers can probably imagine what they went through to provide us with this structure to be together. I don't take it for granted. to also say that I was really surprised to hear that we got this campus as host for no money. <laughs> then I looked at the interim president and I said, she sure does look familiar. Well, she was just at Johnson C. Smith rescuing Johnson C. Smith. And when she got ready to retire, she said, I really wanted Bernice Johnson Regan to come before I left. And then we were talking about what she was going to do after she stepped out of the work she had done at Johnson C. Smith. It was not becoming the interim president of Shaw. And I actually have witnessed several of these steps including Janetta Cole being called to go to Bennett because we couldn't lose Bennett. And I'm taking the time to say this because I absolutely want Shaw to find actually hear from the people in this room. Shaw College is in difficulty. They understand their role in supporting our being able to come together. But in the 21st century, we can participate 
in whether or not this school survives. They opened their doors and could do it because they were a private black school. And so, I really want you to figure out in this recession how you can squeeze some dollars and send it to Shaw University. No, you got to do it on your own. You got to do it on your own. You have to send it. You got to find out where you send it at Shaw. If you take up a collection, you'll be wanting to know what happened to it. It's got to be individual. And Shaw's got to look up and say, where did this little check come from? And you just put SNCC 50th reunion, go ahead, or something in the, in the notes. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know how my mother walked her trouble down. I don't know why my father stood his ground. I don't know how my people survived slavery. I do remember, that's why I believe. I don't know why the rivers overflow their banks and I don't know why the snow falls and covers the ground. I don't know why the hurricane sweeps through the land every now and then. Standing in a rainstorm, I believe. I don't know why the angels woke me up this morning soon and I don't know how the blood still runs through my veins. I don't know how I rate to ride another day. I am here still running, I believe. My God calls to me in the morning dew. Power of the universe knows my name. Gave me a song to sing and sent me on my way. I raised my voice for justice, I believe. There's a difference between knowledge and memory, and there's a difference between knowledge and memory and believing. And that negative, I don't know how, is acknowledging that I stand on ground, plowed by people before I came into being, and I wouldn't try to suggest I know what it was like for them. But I have worked to study, and I have worked to test whether I know anything. And at my age, memory is a funny thing. You can think you know something, and you don't know what you know until you start to try to say it. And the older you get, that lady was talking about air going to your brain a minute ago. <laughs> the older you get, you start to get computer glitches in your brain. And something you think you know, nobody will know it because when you get ready to say it, you, it won't come up. Some of you are too young to even know what I just said. <laughs> Fifty years is important. It's a half of a century. And it's wonderful to be able to sit in the company of people who operated in a particular way in this country in a certain section of that half of a century. It's a rare thing. And I am very, very glad 
So many of us understood how important it was to stop time to be in this space. At Spelman College, I was asked to make a presentation to a course on black church history. And she said, I want you to do the spirituals. So I came in, the course is 50 minutes, so I came in with six songs. And I started. There is a bond in Gilead to I was going to go on with it. And then something said, something in my head, and I stopped. And I said, how many people ever heard that song? I'm asking in, in this room. How many people have never heard that song before in their lives? Well, in that classroom, when I say, how many people have, know that song? Two people raised their hand. And then I knew I wasn't going to do no six songs. <laughs> we're talking about Spelman and we're talking about Spelman a few years ago and we're talking about a room full of black people who have taken every black course they could get in high school and college and they had never heard Bomb and Gilead before in their lives and that is not up to them you don't put people down for what they have never heard. But somebody ought to be raising some questions. And the people ought to be raising questions who raise their hands and they knew the song in this room and could sing it in harmony. You have to say, when I die, will that be it? It's another th one thing to know the song. It's another one to know what the song is about. There is a question in biblical scripture that says, is there no bomb in Gilead? This song answers the question and declares there is a bomb. Black people talk back to the scriptures. In the spirituals, we talked back. If you were doing a Bible verse in school or church, you could not get away with saying anything other than, is there no bomb in Gilead? Because you sort of know what is behind that. But you go to the spiritual and you get a conversation with the stuff black people find in the text. These are slaves declaring that there is a healing in a place where there is no answer, solution, or healing for what's happening to them at that time. It is a projection beyond the moment into the future. SNCC is a part of the healing that's launched in this spiritual. And when you are young, you really think that you thought it up and you halfway pissed off that your parents didn't take care of this before you did. And in some way, young people tend to really not be very connected with the ground they're standing on. They just think that it's some cement or something. And I'm trying to suggest that there was a mother load launched culturally 
from the time we were slaves in this country that continues to be thrown forward into the future beyond the life of the people who created the declaration that there is a healing in this place. Howard Zinn says, this country was founded with some very progressive concept. And you, could, you, can, you can be sure Bob Moses is reaching in there to rake up something that we could use. I didn't expect to hear the declaration this morning. But I said, I said okay. This thing of doing something while you're alive, saying something while you're alive, whether you witnessed the radiation of it or not is very important. The next song I did that morning was, Didn't my Lord deliver Daniel, deliver Daniel, deliver Daniel? Didn't my Lord deliver Daniel? And why not every man? Well, I was, I was together then. I said, how many people have ever heard that song? Two people raised their hand, the same two who had heard Bob and Gilly. <laughs> Are you getting a picture of this classroom? And Daniel is a very complicated thing to grab hold to, but very quickly, the song jacks God up. The song said, you delivered Daniel from the lion's den, Jonah from the belly of the whale, so I had to tell all of the story, which I will not tell you this morning because I have to be finished shortly. But you lay out before God, you did this, you did this, you did this, you did this. You're going to have to come here. And you set up a recipe. This is a conversation. It is not a, lot, a pleading thing. It is a declaration. Black people in slavery made it very clear in the songs we created what we expected. And it's one thing to know the songs as music. It's another to have equipment in your life that allows you to do the same intense questioning and declaration with anything anybody runs by you. If you are a being, you can take a cue from this sacred body of text that our people expected us to think, expected us to find a way to project ourselves out of the situation we were in. Take that bomb in Gilead. I always imagine I'm a mother and they are, have sold my child. And the child is going the next day. I know that's going to kill me. I'm confident I will not be able to survive that pain. I am so surprised the next morning. My child's gone. And I am not dead. And I am not out of my mind. I was hoping if I wasn't dead, at least I would be insane. But I get up and I know my name and I know everybody else around me. I also know my schedule. What you gonna do? Sometimes I feel discouraged and think, my work's in vain. But then the Holy Spirit revives my soul again. There is a bomb, B-A-L-M, not B-O-M-B, in Gilead. Don't take it for granted. If you never heard it before, 
I do not sound ending consonants because I'm a black American. There's no reason you're going to listen to me say bomb and know whether I am saying B-A-L-M or B-O-M-B. I have to spell it. There is a bomb in Gilead to the You're not supposed to be weaker than me. I'm one voice. There is a bar in Gilead to heal the soul. What do you do when you actually find that you're not dead and you have to actually get through an intolerable situation that you really thought you would not make it through. The song says there is a source beyond your physical that is internal to you. You don't have to go outside of yourself. This is Margaret Prescott, host of Sojourner Truth. We're going to take a quick station break. When we return, we'll hear more from Bernice Johnson-Reagan of the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, civil rights icon and singer, uh, founder of Sweet Honey and the Rock, and also a founding member of the Freedom Singers. Stay with us. You won't want to miss one word. We'll be right back. And that's the voice of Bernice Johnson Reagan. 1972, uh, the song, Since I Laid My Burden Down. And keep in mind that music was such an integral part of the campaign and of the music during the civil rights era. This is Margaret Prescott, host of Sojourner Truth. You can check us out on our website at SoTrueRadio.org. If you are a member of Facebook, you can look for us and like us on Facebook. And we're also on SoundCloud. Uh, so look for us on SoundCloud. And today we'd like to give a shout out to our SoundCloud listeners in Albany, Georgia, the hometown of Bernice Johnson Reagan. And internationally, we would like to give a shout out to our SoundCloud listeners in Spain. We now return to a speech given by Bernice Johnson Reagan, a civil rights icon singer and SNCC organizer. She spoke at the 50th anniversary conference of the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. My mother said to us when we were children that we had a physical body and it would die. But we had a soul, and it would never die. Now, it took me a long time to put that together because she also suggested that we were in charge of the condition of the soul. I mean, if you're temporal and you've got an unending soul, who would trust your temporal uh, behavior to take care of something that is unending? However, this song says, if you get in a situation, you cannot do anything about it. You do have a source inside of you that you can hold on to until and 
you have to understand that is why the spirituals leaped into service in jail cells during the civil rights movement. We weren't singing them every day. We learned them in school. Some of us performed them as concert spirituals. But this is the 50s and the 60s, and a lot of us are doing gospel and rhythm and blues. And all of a sudden, in the singing in the civil rights movement, these songs swamp everything. Come and go with me to that land. Come and go with me to that land. Come and go with me to that land. the land you are living in. It is a projection of the land that is to come, and you are actually positioning yourself to destroy the land you're in to make room for the one that has to be. How Zen said there were some positive things in the conceptualization of this country. They are matched or overmatched by the evil that is in the creation of the country. People came here articulating something for themselves. At the same time, they were wiping out the people they found here. At the same time, they were scooping people from another land to, in fact, help them bring into being this thing they were trying to do for themselves. Zen talks about it as if it's in the DNA, which means you're not going to fix it generationally. You're not going to have SNCC go to battle, and then when you get in the 21st century, it's done because we went to battle. Every generation... Every generation has to take on as responsible people in this land that there are some progressive concepts in this land and there is evil in this land. And the evil has to always be answered. The evil has to be faced. And you have to face it with your very life and every resource you have. And so people come to you 50 years later and say, what do you think about where things have come and where things are at this time? And it's almost the suggestion, aren't you disappointed that after all you did back there, that you come here and you still have to find this stuff and some of it looks worse than it was? And I tell you, I had a crisis when I looked up about 20 years after and found young white skinheads. They weren't 40. I'm going, where did they come from? They weren't even in the South. They were, they were pulling stuff from Germany and World War II. And I'm saying, what the world is this? And this thing says, do not think you're going to live in a world where you don't have to face down that which will destroy what you believe in. If your children are to have a chance, you have to meet the challenges of your time. And we have to raise children who actually understand that their purpose is not to just go for everything they can get for themselves, 
but they actually have to change the structure of the society they are in so that there is something different about what is there. I am who I am because of the Civil Rights Movement, but it was not a promise. I could be dead just as easily as I could be alive. It's not a promise if you step out of line, you're going to survive it. That's not the point. If you are alive, your breath needs to be used out of a kind of a principle. And goodness, Something might happen and 50 years later, you sitting up here looking at a bunch of other white-haired people who also stepped out and they are also still alive to share something of the story. And it's really not about nostalgia, although I'm sure it sounds like it because it's so old sounding. When we learn these songs from our people. They were old sounding songs. I was born in the 40s. I grew up in a country church that did a 19th century repertoire. I am standing here in the 21st century. Do you think I don't know that I sound very old? <laughs> I carry a 150-year cultural load. And it's intentional, since I'm not dead, that I place it here in this space. And it really has to do with something about knowing who you are. If you think what I'm singing about are some old songs by some old people who are dead and it just needs to go get the latest thing happening, you're actually missing an incredible wealth of beingness that you actually need to get through your life. You will not know how to get through your life if you dismiss the ground you're standing on. And it does not mean, it did not mean what I thought about my teacher or what I thought about the lady. It means do you have the database that said when we moved past slavery, we were not empty. We were not beaten. We had immense intention built into us. And we had nothing material to build on. And you have to read John Hope Franklin when he says, by the turn of the century, there were entire black education systems where these poor schools were training teachers replacing the people who had come down sometimes from the north to set up the schools. There was an intention that we would build a new space. That's inside of the segregation society. And they taught us culturally how to go for broke inside of the segregation society. And it was up to us to break rank with that formula, to say thank you very much, I got it, I know you want me to do well, I know you want me not to go to jail no matter what, and do not do anything that will put me any place close to a police, get my lesson, work as hard as I can, I know that's the formula, I know that I'm supposed to be in a better place than you are, that is the formula I got from my teachers and my parents, we said we will not follow that recipe. We were not being disrespectful, but we were dismissing the formula. Every generation has to find a way to identify something that's happening in your life that is crippling, and even though your mama, me, has showed you how you can maybe survive it, 
You got to figure out a way to say, thank you very much, mother, and excuse me. And you know, the old people blocked for us. They did not come up with what we were going to do all the time. And this is very important. When people start to look at me, and, and they're younger than me, and they ask me what they're supposed to be doing about what they're facing in their lives. And I said, as soon as you work out something you want to try, let me know uh, where you want me to stand to block for you. Is anybody listening to what I'm saying? It's in the DNA. It's in the DNA. You, in your life, this is young people, you, what you're facing in your life is as intense as anybody has faced in their lives at your age. It is really rough. That is not, is not a good thing. And you can talk about, well, SNCC didn't do, didn't fix it. <laughs> we sure didn't. We fixed what we fixed. That's right. And we just waiting. We're waiting. And I think you will find, you know, some of us were good blockers. I loved being in a church meeting and seeing some gray-haired people there. And for me, at that point, the people who were in their 30s were gray-haired equivalents. That's how, you know, that's how bad Snick was. <laughs> you know, if you were 36, 37, you know, and you were in the meeting, it meant you, you thought we had a little sense. We appreciated your presence. You carried a little weight. And I'm putting pressure on the next generation. I want to talk just briefly about the importance of culture and paying attention to the fact that black people generate commodity for selling culture. And they have decided already for this century that the freedom songs are going to be commercial commodity. And the interesting thing about the few projects I've run into is they tend to feature commercially released recordings by artists who were moved by the movement and wrote out of being moved. And when I talk to these people, about it, and I said, you know, the, 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 the music in the movement was on the street, in the mass meeting, in jail, and usually not solo. And I'm not having a problem with soloists, but I have a problem if you give me 10 uh, songs and all of them are solo songs and you're telling me it's the music of the movement. It is equivalent to going to a program at the Smithsonian about the, uh, the 60s as American protest music and I'm going there and it's all about the struggle against the Vietnam War. And I'm sitting there and ain't nobody up there on the stage, ain't nobody all the people on the stage are the anti-war fierce warriors fierce warriors, right? I'm going, how in the hell have you turned the 60s into the, 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 the anti... How, how did you do that? They said, well, the, the civil rights movement is sort of a 50s thing. <laughs> and I'm saying, where was Greensboro? Where was Nashville? What are you talking about? It is a dangerous thing when your radicals need to put you under the porch. And it is an absolute strand I see. And if you don't know better, you'll buy it. Because the folklorists, the anthropologists, the ethnomusicologists, the cultural historians talked about spirituals, and they said spirituals were about us singing and praying and hoping that we would go to heaven when we die. And they were not protest songs. Then a certain group of them from this state got together and took some lyrics 
of spirituals with some lyrics of white camp meeting songs, picked the little words that were similar and used it as proof that the spirituals had come from the camp meeting songs. And when a black scholar, William Willis Lawrence James, took some white songs and said they came from spirituals, he could not get published until after he died. And he went to a very progressive publisher in New York who said it was too black chauvinistic. And I'm saying as we move forward in the future, there is a very important work to be done about our cultural history because it actually holds the analytical analysis of our people for our survival. If you are in a situation you can't change and you run sound through your body, you actually can get to the next day. I told that to a group of high school students. They were from New York, Ohio, Chicago, two schools in California. And when I talked about that scenario of living a life in a place where you can't change where you are right now, the, the Underground Railroad is not running today. And I said, when you hear Bob and Gilead, that is the source and the use and the function of that song. I looked in the eyes of those students and I was looking at students who operate in a terrorized reality. They do not know when they leave their house if they're gonna get to school. They don't know when they get up in the class to go to the bathroom if it's gonna be okay. They understood so much of what I was saying when I talked about the song. It is very important to understand freedom songs because many of us didn't understand the freedom songs as resistance songs until they locked us up in jail and those were the songs that we sang flipping only a word here and there to make it totally contemporary and especially not realigning the structure of the song and the statement was Contemporary. It was the same system. It was the same urgency. It was actually serving a new situation. And people say they sang all the time. Well, if you begin to make movies about it, and you begin to, to tell the story of the civil rights movement, and you turn it into a story of the leaders, and the soundtrack is a solo voice with a band behind it, you actually are not passing the material we need in the future to the next time. There was a very important experience I had when I was trying to decide what kind of historian I was going to be. And I heard a song written by Pete Seeger, and it wasn't Big Muddy, which was the famous one he did on Vietnam. It was another one, and it was a history lesson. And it went, King Henry rode out with a sword in his hands, 2,000 horsemen were at his command. In a fortnight, the rivers ran red through the land. The year 1520. The year it is now, 1965. It's easier, boys, to stay half alive. Just keep your mouth shut while the planes zoom and dive 10,000 miles over the ocean. Simon was drafted in 63. One year later, he went overseas. Last month, this letter he sent to me, he said, you won't like what I'm saying. It's my own troops I have to look out for, he said. I sleep with a pistol under my head. He wrote this last month, last week he was dead, and Simon came home in a casket. 
Each day a new headline screams at my bluff. On TV some general says you must be tough. In my dreams I share at this family I love. All splattered and gutted with napalm. I mind my own business and watch my TV. Complain about taxes, pay anyway. In a civilized manner, my forefathers betray who long ago struggled for freedom. King Henry rode out with a sword in his hands. Two thousand horsemen were at his command. In a fortnight, the rivers ran red through the land. The year fifteen hundred and twenty, and for a historian. I was just amazed because he was saying war is not going to solve anything. It didn't solve it in 1520. It didn't solve it in Vietnam. It isn't going to solve it now. Guide my feet while I run this race. Guide my feet while I run this race. Oh, guide my feet while I run this race. Oh, I don't want to run this race in vain. Thank you. We are out of time today's show produced by me, that's Margaret Prescott. I'd like to thank the Sojourner Truth team, including assistant producer Ramiro Funes, production intern Julianne Tweeten, and we also want to thank Stan Misrahi for his uh, production work in this series. If you'd like a copy of today's show or a copy of the entire series uh, when we're when we're done with the series, you can contact the Pacifica Radio Archives at one 800 7350230 or go online to PacificaRadioArchives.org. Thank you for listening. This is your host, Margaret Prescott.
Portland. Welcome to Sprouts Radio from the Grassroots, a weekly program.